0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole.
1: She is the brightest
0: and most innovative. The best campaign strategist in the game. Responsible for the greatest political upset in history.
1: You're a fighter, Jane. I'm giving you another shot at the title. Hey there, Hollister, it's O'Toole, and today we're going to be discussing the new movie Our Brand is Crisis, starring Sandra Bullock. I chose the movie because it was starring Sandra Bullock, who I've always liked. I saw that George Clooney was a producer, and I know that you're a political junkie. <laughs> I had no idea when I was watching the movie that it's actually based on a 2005 documentary of the same name by Rachel Boynton, that it's loosely based on... true events did you know that going into the movie
0: i did because i remember the events and you know i do political strategy for some for some people running for office so i knew about what happened and i think a lot of people did so i don't know i don't know where what planet you
1: were on but i would have appreciated just a little title card at the beginning saying based on true events i think that would have just upped the interesting factor that it wouldn't have seemed so much like a farce or a satire
0: well the backdrop of what was happening is based on true events.
1: Well, it did leave me asking myself during the movie, I wonder how they chose Olivia. It's it's definitely a good illustration of how truth can be stranger than fiction. Real life can be odder than anything Hollywood screenwriters can dream up.
0: Yeah, but, here, but he, here's the thing you have to remember is it's not based on truth. And not only that, the people who worked on the documentary have actually come out very forcefully since the movie came out, and they've pointed out that this is not, that it's not a depiction of what happened. So maybe they were smart not to. You know, I think we have to look at this as a standalone movie. And how did you, did you think the plot held
1: up? Did you, what did you feel? I think that was the weakest point of the movie. And I enjoyed the beginning. I Enjoyed to some degree the end, but I thought there were problems with the middle. So my big critique would be from a screenwriting perspective that the screenplay definitely followed the typical hero's journey where you have Sandra Bullock, your reluctant hero who doesn't want to go on this journey, but gets pushed into it. So they find her in the middle of Vermont with her Potter's wheel from the movie Ghost. And they get her to go down to Bolivia and be a political strategist.
0: She wasn't pushed into it. She was... She was lured into it. Big difference. They didn't push her to do it. They knew that she would want it because her makeup called for her to do it. So she, they lured her in. But I don't know that they pushed her.
1: I'm gonna say they pushed her. When you're living by yourself in a little log cabin in the middle of Vermont, in the middle of a snowstorm, making ceramics, and two people fly up from Bolivia and try to get you to come down and re-enter a field that you've given up for the sake of your sanity, they did a good job of saying what was at stake, her alcoholism, she might start smoking again, she could lose her mind a la Carrie in Homeland but they did get her to come down and so I thought the beginning was actually very intriguing. Well they lured
0: her with her nemesis which to me was what was so great about the entire layout of this plot there are so many different um, so many different things going on throughout this movie of stressful situations but also the up and downs of the plot, they lured her down with her nemesis The guy who beat her three times is running the other side. That's what brought her in. They didn't push her. They lured her in.
1: Okay. Well, I think we're arguing semantics, but that would, of course, be Billy Bob Thornton, who looked a lot like James Carville. He definitely, you know, brought him to my mind, the real political advisor, Um, they get her to come down to Bolivia. So I was still very intrigued. And you know me, I love the cross-cultural differences. I love how it takes place in English and Spanish. I didn't yet know it was inspired by real events, which would have made it more interesting to me. Um, But I think it's the same problem that happens in so many screenplays. And it's what they always warn writers about is the death valley of Act Two, where you just run out of plot points And pretty much from the moment that they had a bus chase scene up the mountain as opposed to your car chase scene and they made Sandra Bullock moon the other bus, to me that was a big sign that they had run out of plot.
0: Oh, see, and I thought that was the comic relief that you're always saying needs to be in a drama like this. I thought the placement of comedy throughout all of it you know i mean including the bus ride of okay first nobody wants to race the bus and she's the only one driven to to winning the bus <laughs> the bus race And then all of a sudden, everybody wants to win it. that was comic relief. It was certainly not a lull because of anything around that. And I thought the comedy that they laid in made the plot ever I thought it really, really brought it to light. I thought it was wonderful.
1: Well, this is why I've always loved Sandra Bullock, is I think she has such good comedic timing. And she is so good at being both funny and being able to play vulnerable and being able to play tough. So everything from miscongeniality to The Net, The Proposal, The Blind Side, of course, her Oscar-winning performance. I thought when she first arrived in Bolivia and was suffering from altitude sickness and was dragging that (laughs) oxygen tank around, I actually found that very funny. Uh, It
0: was very funny. I mean, there were some great, great, great... And by the way, To me, I never thought, I didn't think she really earned it in The Blind Side. I think she earned it in this film. I think that that conversation between her and the uh, Carvel character when they first run into each other in Bolivia, that dialogue back and forth, that brilliant way they both, not just one of them, both of them, that conversation was so well done of a dance of, of competitiveness, of distrust, of one-upsmanship. Uh, I, I just can't even imagine. And I I, I I thought to myself, I was watching a genius on the screen executing her her lines there. I thought she was unbelievable.
1: To me, Billy Bob Thornton's character was just one-note creepy.
0: I didn't think he was creepy. I
1: found him creepy. In every scene, I found him creepy. Well, do you think he's creepy in real life? Creepy? Well, I've never met him in real life, but but I I think he plays creepy very convincingly.
0: Remind me of some of that dialogue. I'm just going to give you two lines to bring it all back to mind. I thought you disappeared or retired or broke down or whatever. And she looks at him and says, what happened to your hair? both of them pushing
1: the buttons that they knew would bother the other person. Now, did she really say that in the movie? Because I thought the trailer was so well cut and I loved that line, what happened to your hair in the trailer. I didn't hear it in the movie.
0: Jane Bodine. Pat. So what are you doing here? I thought you retired or gave up or something.
1: What happened to your hair?
0: You still got a great sense of humor. How many times have you gone against Candy? Three or four times. How many times has he beat you? Uh, three or four times. (laughs) Now, keep in mind that Sandra Bullock... Uh, she read her agent read the script, and it was actually they thought maybe George Clooney would play the part, and he's one of the producers on the film. Sandra Bullock's agent called her and said she was looking for something to do, and Sandra wasn't liking anything she was putting in front of her. So she said, "Look, I I see this movie is really great." Sandra read it and said, "I want that part," and she's very close to Clooney, so she called him, and they took a two-day rewrite to write the write the entire plot. Uh, around to change the man from a woman and I think having a woman character was ever so much better in that don't you
1: I totally agree because after you told me about the documentary, I did go and watch it and it seemed as though all the political advisors were men they were, in the yeah. documentary, which I thought was a mistake in real life because the female interpreter in the documentary, I thought brought a perspective that the others were missing. Sandra Bullock and George Clooney were definitely a very profitable combo in Gravity and I can see how the studios welcomed their reteaming. Well, if he wasn't Sam, in it. I mean, there, there. He they're, wasn't in it, but I think because he's so drawn to politics that I felt like this definitely had a George Clooney imprimatur on the film.
0: Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see. Um, you know, I, I, I follow politics pretty carefully. I don't, I don't think Clooney. I think Clooney is active in some issues globally but he's I don't but I think that the tension between the Carvell character and Sanders character was ever so much better to have it be by both sexes but I couldn't help but remember when we were down in Bentonville Mm -hmm. And do you remember, O'Toole did a great video. Go to ScreenThoughts.net and go into the O'Toole Encore section where she's got her videos. The video was where uh, Gina Davis had a bunch of actors come in, women actors, and they basically did... Uh, movies that we know really well and they just changed it to have it be female characters rather than male and her point is you can change the gender of a character and not lose anything and every the audience loved it and then to see it in this movie as well as the Emily Blunt movie which we did Sicario. last week. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sicario, that was written for a man also and in fact it almost didn't get made because the the people funding it wanted it to be a man so it just goes to show you can put a woman in a man's character or a woman can walk in a man's shoes if you will as well as anybody. I just thought it was so much richer having it be a female character.
1: And what's sad is again to Gina Davis's point that even in crowd scenes in Hollywood movies they're typically only 20% female 80% uh-huh. male. There weren't right. a lot of female characters in Our Brand is Crisis, and Emily Blunt's was really the only major female role in Sicario. So having Sandra Bullock, it's not even bringing it up to 50-50 parody. Right, right. Interesting. When we talk about the female characters in this movie... The other weakness that I found was the character played by Ann Dowd, who I think is a terrific actress. But at the beginning of the movie, they introduce her character to us as someone who's kind of tough. I mean, she's the one who calls Sandra Bullock, was it the expendable? Where, look, we can go and get a political strategist. And if something goes wrong, we can blame it on her, um, Calamity Jane. And then she was pretty much sidelined for the rest of the movie until Sandra Bullock got upset with oh, her and called I her a, no, a cupcake wasn't maker. No, she was sidelined.
0: In the scenes, she was playing her role in political strategy sessions like that. There, she's there's always someone like her. She's not supposed to do the work. She brings the team together. She's like the producer of the campaign, not the strategist. So, she was always there, and she was very much playing the role that she would in real life play. I didn't find her that way at all.
1: I found that a devolution of her character that she's the one that knew which buttons to press and to mention the Billy Bob Thornton character as the way to lure Sandra Bullock down. She nods her assent when Sandra Bullock awakens with this political strategy. And then you don't really see her again until Sandra Bullock makes fun of her as being somebody not powerful.
0: Well, actually, you do see her. She's in the scenes playing the role. She is the connector. She knows everyone in... in, different places and she brings them to the table when they ask her to. She's the connector. No. There's always a connector in a campaign. That's her role. She's like the producer. We go to her for the money, for the this, for the that, you know, she I I you know, maybe you wanted her character to be more, but that she was playing a real role that that takes place in political campaigns and I thought she played it really well. And I think when I have- Sandra Bullock confronts her and sort of says um, I want you to do this because you do it, and shows her disdain for her role in the campaign, that all she is is somebody who knows everybody and can call in political favors. I think, I, you know, I thought that was totally right on. I, what, what did you want her to do in it? Where did you want her to show I up? I
1: wanted her to do something, and it goes to my major criticism that the weakness in this film is the lack of plot in Act 2. And I think the way to solve it would have been to call in your man, Aaron Sorkin. Because what this movie really needed, in my opinion, were TV writers, Because when you do a TV show, every writer on TV knows that you need plot because you've got episode week after week after week. And, for example, if you had brought the dialogue of the West Wing to this script, it would have been like bringing West Wing to Bolivia. I think that would have been fascinating. You know,
0: all right, there were four plots I can layer for you, okay? There was the plot between she and Carvel. Which, again, Carville,
1: to me, was just a creepy guy. I didn't really see a lot of machinations there, but okay.
0: I didn't see him that way. I saw him as a political strategist. You know, he was doing his job the best he could, and he was playing the games that are played in politics. Okay, so you have that plot. Then you have the plot between the young man Whose parents believed in the in the in the presidential candidate because they because he chose their son when he was three. I mean that whole plot between Bullock and and the young man where she she saw him early on. She saw what he did when when there was a threat. So there was that
1: whole plot of. I liked that a lot. I would have liked more of that with Eddie. I thought that was interesting.
0: Right. Okay. Then there's the plot of getting him elected versus the other candidates
1: and that plot. And I think that could have been more interesting in a West Wing kind of way.
0: And then there was the plot between she and the other players in their campaign, especially Anthony Mackie, who played sort of the number two guy in the campaign, who she won him over. They were dancing around each other. He was having increased layers of respect for her. Um. I, God, I, I, it was filled with plot and action and tension. And oh, I didn't, I didn't think it left at all. I,
1: I disagree. I think they could have made more of it. So for example, when I saw the actual documentary, and they were talking about how the political leader of the opposition party was actually the leader of the coca farmers. I thought that could have been an interesting plot twist.
0: I think they also played up who was actually going to win really well. Like, I don't think it was clear. You know how sometimes in the middle of a movie, it's clear, okay, this guy's going to win. It wasn't clear to me he was going to win. I thought he might come in a close second, even though I knew the outcome based on the documentary, but who knows if they were going to follow that. So I thought it was really, really well done.
1: Given the actors that they had, I wish they had given them more dissension between each other. So for example, Anthony Mackie Um, He fell onto my radar with the movie The Hurt Locker, for which he was nominated for an Oscar. You know, fantastic actor. I think they could have given him more. Instead, there was that one scene, which was really the only scene in the movie to have exposition, but it could have been better, when Anthony Mackie and Sandra Bullock were having coffee with each other and said, so how did you get into politics? How did you get into politics? I would have liked more disagreement on the right way to go.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't feel a need for that. I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a great job, but tell me, so do you think, um, did you think it was made clear who leaked the candidate's daughter drug problem that caused her to commit suicide from an earlier campaign? Who did you think in the end did it?
1: I thought that was an interesting twist and, um, I wasn't sure. Hmm. It could have been either one.
0: Yeah. I think it was her
1: it could have been her yeah
0: i think that there was her and that was what drove her to her sense of of uh of despair and sent her off the deep end both drinking etc so I, i i thought it was her and i thought the way they layered that in was also really 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 well done
1: you like to pretend you're not one of us if you fight with monsters for too long
0: you become a monster this movie was all about politics, and I think they made it now. It's my understanding that it was possibly going to be released in the spring, and they decided to release it now because of all the politics going around the Republican uh, GOP uh, primary going on, and they thought that it would do well, and it didn't do well. It had the worst box office opening that she's ever had, which made me also want to say on this podcast remember a time when the actor was not responsible for box office success or failure it was just a movie failed or it succeeded it was never riding just on individual names and I thought to myself how about it was just a bad weekend nobody did well this weekend it was Halloween it was beautiful weather everybody was out with their families um you know I, I, just, I just think that these numbers coming out the way they do as headlines, as if the numbers are indicative of whether it's a good movie or not, I think is shameful.
1: Well, I don't know. I think the box office flops have been blamed on actors for a long time. And it's something that I was thinking about in this movie, because one of the things that I really liked was how they edited the beginning of the movie. And it was reminiscent of a George Clooney movie, and I'm going to say it's the movie that made his Hollywood career out of sight. And that was the famous scene with him and J-Lo, where instead of flashbacks, there were flash forwards. So they're seated at that table having dinner, and you flash forwarded to them in the bathtub. And then you went back to the dinner table scene, and a very similar technique was used in Our Brand is Crisis.
0: But tell me, what did you think of Zoe Kazan?
1: I saw her on Broadway with Anthony Mackie, who also starred in Our Brand is Crisis. They were in a Broadway play called A Behanding in Spokane, which was written by Martin McDonough, who also wrote the screenplay to In Bruges. He's an Irish playwright, and I was curious if one of them brought the other one to this project.
0: I don't know who brought it, but here's the thing that I, I I saw her and I thought, oh my God, remember her as the daughter, and it's complicated. And then I remembered that she wrote Ruby Sparks, uh, with and and starred in it with her boyfriend. And then I remembered that, of course, she's the granddaughter of Ilya Kazan, uh, who you know did Streetcar Named Desire and other you know major major. I mean, she's got she comes from a huge lineage, uh, in film and theater. And I just think she's really good on the screen. And I think sometimes when she comes on the screen, she takes over. And I I thought it was an interesting use of her, you know, certainly out of her normal look feel. Did you think she was right for the part?
1: I thought she was right for the part, but it's the same issue I had with Ann Dowd and Anthony Mackie. I wish they had given her more. Funniest moment? Probably Sandra Bullock arriving with the oxygen tank. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she, but and also
0: she could have wrecked that. That's a real. Don't you think that's a really hard moment to play?
1: Yeah, there, I think there's few people that could do the same range that Sandra Bullock can pull off.
0: I just thought it was great. Now, for me, the funniest moment was was when Castillo, you know, says. This llama, they're going to shoot the the presidential candidate with a llama, and llamas are going to save Bolivia, and that in itself was absurd. And so Castillo, who's running the, the ad campaign, he says, this llama will lead us toward prosperity.
1: We're going to shoot the commercial, por favor. Llamas, this animal would lead us to prosperity.
0: Oh. No, no, no. Killed himself rather than be in one of our commercials. I, I could not stop laughing. I think it's Sandra Bullock's best performance that I've seen her in. And I also think that it's going to be treated a little more kindly in a month or so. And I think people are going to start to see it. And I think it's going to get stronger write-ups. But I think she was absolutely excellent in it. I also want to put in a, a quote. Um, Gonzalo Sanchez Dolorizado Um who is the presidential candidate who actually in the documentary wins. And then he's now living, by the way, outside of Washington uh, in a state of exile.
1: Which is where he grew up when his father was in exile. Yeah,
0: exactly. So he he makes the statement just off the cuff in the documentary. In other words, he's in a meeting and he says it or something. And I thought it was one of the great moments, because we do have to talk about political strategists. And he says, we are a slave to the strategy meaning there's no deviating from the strategy no matter what. And I thought that was a great moment in the documentary. And I also felt that they layered that in the narrative film that we, you know, we're talking about really, really well where you stick to the strategy. The word crisis has to be in every sentence out of your mouth. These are things that actually take place when you're working on a political campaign and they work, And if you get the right strategist, it's never the man who's running. It's something that is going to move the people who he needs to vote for them. And I think that the movie does that, shows that really, really well. And maybe it's a good thing that nobody went to see it last weekend because already Americans are so distrustful of both the press and the candidates. Watching this movie, it makes you even more so, didn't you think?
1: Especially with Election Day coming this Tuesday. I know. I've always been cynical about politics, but something that was driven home in both the documentary and the narrative version is at the very end, when all these strategists are going their separate ways, and they're trying to get to the airport through the throngs of people protesting, and they're all talking about, I'm off to England, I'm off to China, I'm off to all these various countries to help on their political campaigns. It wasn't until I saw the documentary that I realized the same people were involved in elections in Poland and helped get the first female prime minister of Australia but oh, that started elected. with Carvel.
0: That that never happened until you know before Carvel there really wasn't strategists set up in politics the way it is now so and after he did what he did for Clinton then that's when usually whoever was the strategist went on and stayed in the White House with whoever won and became part of the team in other words the strategist was usually an inside person that the that rather than an outside hire.
1: I just had no idea that Carville's team was involved in so many countries oh, around yeah, the globe. Many 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 campaigns
0: but also many campaigns in this country you know so now keep in mind that primary colors did 39 million, it, it you know, all it, all in in 1998, and that was they brought in um Travolta to do that, and they thought it was going to be huge, and it wasn't all in. It did 39 million, Ides of March, which I thought was a really good film.
1: Another George Clooney being interested in politics, yeah, movie. Ides of
0: March brought in 25 million. If you think about it, none of these political films have ever, ever killed it in the box office. And I just wonder, as somebody who thinks about strategy and marketing, I I wonder if it's the way they're marketing them, and or if it's just that we have so much politics thrown in our faces all day with all the cable channels and everything, that it's just like, I don't want to go see it on a movie. I don't know.
1: What about Wag the Dog? How did that do at the box office? None of them have been well. There's
0: nothing that's been a breakaway film.
1: And yet Wag the Dog was nominated for two Oscars. Maybe that's why they do them, is hoping that it'll bring in...
0: Well, I, don't, I some, think the money people don't care as much about Oscars as they do about at least making some money. I think they thought this was going to do much, much better.
1: As I said, I've always enjoyed Sandra Bullock. If you like Sandra Bullock, I think you'll enjoy Our Brand is Crisis. To me, it would have been a good selection on an airplane, you know, a, uh-huh. an in-flight uh-huh. movie. But I do wish that Aaron Sorkin had written the screenplay. I was surprised. The screenwriter on this movie wrote Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, for which he was nominated for an Oscar, Peter Strawn. That was a
0: great movie. Wasn't that a great movie? I felt that the only thing lacking in that was the end. I thought the end was a little bit lackluster considering. But and also I needed to see what she did next. I would have liked to have known, did she, you know, you know, it shows her as sitting in another position. But to me, I didn't I didn't see how her, her integration took place in that or anything else. But I mean they were just tying up loose ends. I thought the end was not beautifully, beautifully done, but it certainly did the trick
1: and again that followed screenplay structure hmm. where you have your hero they've gone on their journey they either get what they wanted or they don't or they get what they wanted and in the end discover it's not what they wanted after all and then you have irony right now was right. it just me or the actor playing the president goni didn't he look like jeffrey rush with robert wagner's hair <laughs>
0: How you put these things, I don't know where you go when you're sitting there. That you put these things together. I thought I he never, looked so much no, like Jeffrey well, yeah, Rush no, at the beginning. Something? I thought Wait maybe it was
1: Jeffrey this Rush. This
0: was the best one you've ever done for sure. O'Toole, when you put those two characters together, you get him. So, once again, O'Toole's probably what are you going to give it? O'Toole give me to mark. Can you give it a grade?
1: I do love Sandra Bullock, so if you like her, go see the film. I'd probably give it a B minus.
0: Okay, and I give it an A. I do, I give it an A. And I think that it should be a contenda. and I wish that it, it were going to be one. But So I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, we hope that you'll take a look and let us know what you think.